Hello and welcome. Welcome to INE Live, our special holiday edition where we're going to be going over the uh, top 2022 hacks. My name is Jack Reedy. I am INE's Director of Cybersecurity Content and your host for today, our holiday special. In just a minute, I'll be joined by the renowned Brooks Seahorn as we dive into the top hacks of 2022 and a quick game at the end of the show, if we have time. We'll see if we get there. But before we do... Be sure to like, follow, or subscribe on whatever social media platform you're using just so you can stay in the loop whenever we do go live or reach out. Um, like I said, we are live across all the popular platforms like LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, plus our websites and a couple other places as well. If you want to get involved, talk to us, talk to others. We definitely love to see that. Our team is monitoring chat, and if you have a comment, feel free to drop it in. Um, if you have a question, just put a queue at the front and our team can find it and send it to me pretty easily. And we'll get to as many as we can today. Absolutely problem. <laughs> I just see the poll that popped up while we fill in my jacket. <laughs> um, with that, I will bring in today's guest. Brooks Seahorn is a cloud instructor at INE, specializing in AWS. For come to INE, he was an instructor and content creator at Amazon Web Services for three years. But even before Amazon, he wore many hats for almost two decades within Department of Defense, developer, engineer, and architect, just to name a couple. How are you doing today, Brooks? And never in that time did I see a jacket that compared to that Long Island hot mess you've got on man that is great by the way everybody i had no idea they wouldn't let me see jack they would not let me see jack they're like no you can't see until we go live so yeah in the oh in the necklace oh jack <laughs> sir beautiful beautiful mm. man i mean I, I do what i do what i can it, at this point it's a running theme for whenever i host the christmas special so might I, as I was well, just trying to uh, bring in the fireplace and the Snoopy and the sad Christmas tree, but I got nothing on that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, man. It's 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 always good to kind of cut and let loose a little bit around the holidays and have a good time. So I think we're going to we're going to see how, how far we actually get through this list before we just crack up and start, you know, <laughs> making fun of each other. Uh <laughs> That's where we're going. The train's at the station. Okay. <laughs> it's okay though. I mean, you know, it's it's you and me. We we are uh, we're old buddies at this, right? Exactly. Although I will say, some of the security stuff, it's got some humor in it too. I hate to say that because there's nothing funny about security, but some of it, no, especially, when I get to do, especially when we do the when I get to do my little provider awards. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's there's funny parts of security. I mean. Mm -hmm. You know, we've we've had plenty of stories on here where things just went completely awry, you know, mm -hmm. via communication or whatever else. Mm -hmm. It's all right. Um, but let's go, let's go ahead and start. So we we kind of blended this list together to to let our audience know. We kind of blended this list together from the top attacks. We didn't really have too many qualifications as far as like the amount of money, like that's a quantifier and that raises the bar, um, or the amount of data that was stolen, or the amount of endpoints that were affected, right? more so just impactful as to does this lead to a good uh, point as far as what you should be looking out for if it was boring we kind of just kicked it out <laughs> so but one of the ones that we wanted to talk about was uh back in march 2022 lapsus compromised cortana and bing at microsoft now the attackers published the source code uh the custom no customer files were technically accessed or released according to microsoft now, Lapsys, if you're unfamiliar with them, they're, uh, they focus on compromising user identities and accounts, 
They also tend to recruit employees at the targeted organizations and see if they can install backdoors or whatever. Um, frequently, they're known to deploy a redline stealer tool. And they're known for operating with a, and this is to quote Microsoft, pure extortion and destruction model. And unlike other hacking groups, doesn't seem to cover its tracks. Best description would be something akin to uh, a smash and grab tactics. See what they can grab, ransom them off, and, you know, just basically destroy on the back end if they if necessary. Um, now, Brooks wanted to bring this up just simply to poke a little fun, I think. I'm sorry. There's just something beautiful about this level of skill being used to compromise Cortana. It's like stealing a Yugo. I mean, it's just like, wow. You did that, didn't you? Like you figured out how to get into the top security, get past everything. There were all these, you took the Yugo. And the best part was Microsoft's reaction was kind of like, yeah, yeah, they got the Yugo. Neat. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they just washed their hands of it. It was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, so Microsoft did say one, that they were uh, already aware of the compromise and working to contain it whenever mm -hmm. the data was released. So it wasn't a surprise to them per se. Um, and two, they don't consider their open code to be uh, a security risk because, you know, they have so many individuals that access it regularly to update it and everything else like that. They don't consider the core fundamental part of that code to be something that they, basically they're saying they don't practice the uh, security through obscurity model. No, which, not at all. I mean, yay, good. Uh, <laughs> But still, so, yeah. it's just amazing to see something like that happen, where they just literally smash in there. We got Cortana, and everybody's like, and? Like, you got to do something else now. So that's just we to see that Cortana. level of skill. I play Halo 2. Yeah, we got Cortana too. It's Exactly. It's just, it's it's art. If, if there was a security breach that was art, that was art. That was just nothing but art. <laughs> it was to show off. There you go. That's pretty good. <laughs> Hold my um, so beer while I get on this dirt bike. <laughs> Way to go, lapses. <laughs> there you go. That are you are you calling this the Florida man of attacks? This could be the Florida man of attacks. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. But there's wow. an art to it that you cannot you cannot deny. You can't do it. <laughs> All right, there we go. Well, tell them about the crypto.com because this one's yeah, pretty good. Yeah. So January seventeenth of this year. Um, Crypto.com was attacked for actual crypto theft uh, and targeted nearly 500 people's cryptocurrency wallet. Now, that might not sound like a lot. However, in total, the hackers attack or the attackers, I should say, stole approximately $18 million worth of Bitcoin at the point of writing that article, which I mean, it's crypto. It goes up and down every day. So uh, and $15, 15 million dollars worth of Ethereum, plus a couple other cryptocurrencies. Uh, basically, the attackers bypass two-factor authentication and access the user's wallets directly. Now, initially, Crypto.com had dismissed the attack as simply an incident, but they later retracted that statement and then confirmed that money had indeed been stolen and that the affected users had been reimbursed as well. So that would mm. be the company itself um, had an error or vulnerability that was attacked. And it was not at the fault of the users. It's trust me, they would not be reimbursing people if they could prove it any way, shape, or form. It was their fault. Exactly. And I think Tracy just put it up there nicely. It was about thirty-seven cents worth of Bitcoin today. So <laughs> thirty-seven cents worth of Bitcoin today. Ah, somewhere in that range. Ethereum, Ethereum, Ethereum has plummeted. Uh, <laughs> 
gravy. But yeah, it was, um, it, it was, you know, it's one of those things where when you talk about risk matrices or you talk about wallets or you talk about like your, even your personal care, like the users took personal care and they, they had multi-factor authentication turn on two-factor authentication. Still though, they still were compromised, mm -hmm. right? So exactly. when you do everything right and you still lose money, at which point, like, just wash your hands of it and go off the grid, right? Exactly. Because what else have you got left? You know, you're going to come to the party, but expect there to be problems. It's going to happen. You know, um, you know, it's it's kind of like tantamount to the, our next story about Paige Thompson, where uh, for those of you who don't know about Paige, what basically happened was she was an AWS employee back in 2019 who did some hacking, sort of an internal job, inside job. And I think the thing that I like most about it is the fact that you know, she downloaded like a hundred million customer records. She got into all sorts of stuff. Her defense was she was trying to let customers know there was a problem. But here's the thing, okay, Jack? When you do something like that, don't then turn around and start installing crypto miners in your customer accounts. They're going to figure you're not being a good person at this point, okay? <laughs> not well, to mention there's systems in AWS that can detect crypto mining operations and report on them. She should have known this. I was there at that time. I knew that. You don't do this. So anyway, finally, everything's been done. She was finally convicted in uh, June of this year for her, her part in that. And um, it just it just goes to show you with these sorts of things, these are long stories, Jack. Like these things happen yeah. in the past. They finally get done. And in this case, you know, it, Capital One and 30 other companies really got hit. Again, talking about the last one, they didn't really do anything wrong. It's just all of a sudden they found out things were going sideways on them. And then you're just left trying to figure out what to do. So with that one, that's truly one of those ones where, you know, that one's on the cloud provider's shoulders. They shouldn't have, some something should have been done there. Well, sort of. It also, there, so in the case of Paige Thompson, being that she was part of a you know AWS employee and everything else like this, she identified the vulnerabilities, but she never actually disclosed it to the customer base. She never actually disclosed it to Capital One mm -hmm. in, in a professionally appropriate way. On top of that, just because you have access doesn't mean you need to get to download the data. And the last thing, the most important thing, what we do reiterate here is you have to have authorization in order to conduct white hat attacks. That's right. Now... <laughs> If you find something, which I, I personally, I have found stuff just browsing the internet, like looking up, I've done research for like uh, college papers and whatever else. And I've found uh, data, data lakes that were just accessible. And so then I, you yep. know, linked in the CISO and whoever else has security in their title at that company. I'm like, hey, do you know that this is unlocked? No, I didn't. Thank you. You know, and that, but I didn't download their stuff. I, right. I didn't, I, I found it and I went, oh, hey, by the way, this is open. Might want to lock that door. Absolutely. You know, and that's the biggest part about it. That's when you can truly tell the white hat because the white hat will go, oops, and then turn and do something about it. You know, there, there was actually one way back. This was, this is a probably been oh, well over a decade ago where I saw a vulnerability in a bookseller's website 
And there was a way to get a fairly expensive book for like next to nothing just by sort of crafting the little bit of the URL. And the funny thing about that one, and this is where things get strange, where you reach out to the security people and you say, hey, you're broken. And they go, hey, thanks, buddy. And then like a week later, you test it and it's still there. And you're like, okay, now you're just asking for it. Now you're yeah. just asking for it. Yeah, there's actually, um, I don't know if you're probably aware of this, but there is open sorts of data that are requirements for the government, federal government, U.S. federal government, that they must mm -hmm. disclose to the public. Mm -hmm. So data.gov just keeps a repository of all this data. And you, most of it, I'd say something in the area of 80 to 90 percent of it is either weather or terrain related data. Like yeah. Real, yeah. geological surveys, stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. However, uh, a couple of years ago, I found um, definitive access to employee records uh, from one of the states, I won't say which one, that include that specifically listed everybody's um, work information for the power company, Ooh, ooh, the electrical uh, grid. And I, I was just like this, like I contacted their, uh, gov their government, I was like, this is not good. They're like, it's in a state law. We actually have to publish this. I was like, that's a dumb state law. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, can we have an episode of tips for terrorists? I mean, good gravy. No, no. Yeah, no, it was, it wasn't great. I was like, you guys might want to be a little harder of a target, please. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're here to change subjects. DDoS, one of my favorite subjects being a cloud person, the one against North Korea. Please tell that tale. Okay, so this one this one is kind of a little bit of a incident. So obviously a lot of my background is an incident response analyst, which means, you know, I, I analyze attacks and everything else like that. A lot of times people would call us in the news security researchers, which is another form. Generally, you sit a little bit more at the cutting edge of stuff. Mm -hmm. A security researcher hacked North Korean servers <laughs> in February of <laughs> this year. So pseudonym is uh, P4X, which I'm sure there's some fancy way of saying that, but launched DDoS attacks and crippled North Korea's internet in February 2022. The attacker claims that he was uh, originally attacked by North Korea, uh, by North Korean spies, uh, for approximately a year. And then he in turn took things into his own hands after a year and disrupted their servers that were all hosted in DPRK. Mm -hmm. So he used unpatched vulnerabilities in the North Korean systems to launch the DDoS attacks. Now, two waves of total outages struck the isolated country's internet over a period of roughly two and a half hours. Now, yeah. while it is very common knowledge and security that this particular country only has less than 1% of people that are actually able to access the open internet. Mm -hmm. There are, there are a lot of internal network devices where that, and a lot more people are able to access them. Apparently this attack knocked off their DNS server capability or DHCP, sorry, DHCP and their DNS server capabilities within the country, the entire country. So these outages, also took offline North Korea's Ministry of Foreign Affairs website. Um, they also hit uh, Air Koryo National Airline 
and a bunch of major internal servers, which are MX servers as well. So it knocked over basically all of their communications for internal logistics, things like that, in and out of the country. It was insane. It lasted approximately, I think in total, it lasted about a day. I know it's two and a half hours of downtime. I yeah. think when I was, I remember reading this report and it lasted, I think the attack lasted in total 14 something hours where the actual, before he turned everything off and was like, okay, you get the point, stop attacking. <laughs> Once again, something beautiful about cyber and the internet. One person attacked by a country and they go, you know what? That's enough. That's enough. Watch this. That's enough. Yep. <laughs> that is just, that, that is the Florida man. Hold my beer. Get that screaming crotch rocket up and running and head for the ramp. Let's see what you can do. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say Florida man for that one. That was evil Knievel. Yeah, oh, that yeah, was, that was. That was, was definitely evil Knievel. That took some a little bit of planning, a little bit of dedication. Like, you, you want to try? Okay, cool. Let's try this. <laughs> that was That's pretty amazing. Great. You want to introduce – we also um, – the Hell's Keychain from IBM. What what's going on with that one? You mentioned Ooh, it to me. Oh yeah, let me let me let me set this one up. Okay, so here's what we do. We do track a lot of the cloud-related security stuff here. And basically, I kind of break it up into four categories or four levels, it being low, medium, high, and critical. And if you look across the entire year, there's been like 41 incidences across all four of those uh, different levels for most of the major cloud providers. So AWS, Azure, Google, uh, Oracle, and then this one that we're going to talk about now that Jack just brought up. But basically, this is what's happened. If you look at the critical stuff, AWS and Azure, they've had about three each. Um, they are really the only ones that have had a critical so far this year. I'm just looking at my notes, everybody. Everything breaks out. Google had like four total, whereas AWS and Azure had 16 and 18 for all four categories. Uh, Google had four. Oracle had just two. They did really good this year. But IBM, IBM literally here snatched failure from the jaws of victory. And the attack that was done on them was so unique, or what happened, the vulnerability they found was so unique, it now has a name called Hell's Keychain. And literally, this is how it played out. That someone out there, uh, Wiz Research, figured out that you could do a PostgreSQL escalation via an injection attack, which led to get, being able to get the basically the credentials for the Kubernetes. The I see what else they got the Kubernetes, they got the private container registry, the image registry, and the CI/CD server credentials all packed together. Then once they had that, they basically could escape out, get into other people's virtual environments, and start doing reads and deletes on their PostgreSQL system. So this thing was amazingly complicated, what they were able to do, and the compromise was just unbelievable. Now, and this is one of the cool things about cloud, though, and, and Jack, you could probably speak more about this than I can. Um, when things go bad on prem, it's always on us. We've got to figure out what to do. But with this, that's on them. And IBM basically wrapped it up like in a day. Like yeah. in one day, they had this thing figured out. Customers didn't have to lift a finger. But it's just one of those things. It's like getting that letter of, like I got yesterday. Oh, you've we've we lost some data. We're real sorry about this. You, you may want to check yourself. It's like, okay, thanks. Thanks a lot. So it was that same sort of thing. But what I love is the fact that IBM did not have one incident the entire year. And here, December 1st, 
bam, they got one in at the last second and it was critical. Way to go, IBM. Yeah. Way to go. I mean, I mean, well, it's, you know, um, it's kind of like my uncle always told me, you know, if you're going to go to jail, make sure it's worth it. Oh yeah. Like, if, if you're going to, if you're going to fail, yeah. if you're going yeah. to fail, make sure you fail like broadly, spectacularly, something that is unforgettable. Joking, of course, cred. don't don't intentionally go to jail. Uh, it's, like, it's like that suit of yours you got on, man. Get some street cred. That's all you need, that suit. That'll get you street yeah. cred. <laughs> I mean, IB, you would, like, IBM is really, it's great to know that they are so succinct in everything that they're doing that the only vulnerability that comes out or the only critical incident that comes out is a critical level, level vulnerability. Yeah, it breaks everything, but they were able to, like you said, yeah, remediate within 24 hours. A lot of times, companies don't even know that they have a critical issue for you know exactly months, 30 exactly. days. It was like the whole Log4j thing last year where everybody was losing it. You know, the truth of the matter is on the inside of like AWS, they had a result because it was this time of year. Everybody was getting ready to go on Christmas vacation. All the engineers were like, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. And they got it straightened away like really fast for them anyway. But now it's on the customers to make sure everything's right now. Also, in the defense of AWS Azure and all them, attack surface size. AWS oh, yeah. is gigantic. They're, they're constantly yeah. getting just beat up and knocked down. So you got to figure between them and Azure, which is why you see this play out of like, 16 18 then it drops all the way down to four for google and then two for oracle and just that one for ibm this year so you know mm -hmm. kind of looking at fair fair if they were started getting bigger i expect to see a lot more vulnerabilities start popping up that's that's very fair and then and i mean you have to take a look at uh what is it it's, it's the king of the mountain scenario you know what i mean like the higher you are mm -hmm. in the mountain the bigger you know, the more you're going to get attacked right so oh yeah I remember, I remember uh, probably just a little over a decade ago talking to the guy that's now like head of security for Apple. And uh, we were having a conversation about, you know, uh, security vulnerabilities on Macs. And his thing was like, um, yeah, they're not vulnerable right now because nobody's using them. Just wait. And he always said, if they ever get to be a bigger and bigger player, watch what happens. And it's happening because like every one of us, sorry, little developers, we're sitting on Mac machines right now, stuff like that. So just wait for it. Yeah, no, I, 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 everybody that I've ever heard that it says, you know, well, they're unhackable. I'm just like, <laughs> that's because they don't have market share yet. That's, that's all it is, you know, yeah. not, at least. Yeah. Not a one. yeah. And Tracy just popped in there is good. How much of those numbers reflect market share rather than actual vulnerability? That's exactly it right there, Tracy. The bigger these footprints get out there, the bigger the surface area, the more bullets you're going to catch. It's going to mm -hmm. happen. Yeah. I also, I want to point out Yuri B's comment, you know, um, at, previously we were talking about the North Korean attacks and the DDoS. Attribution is hard to do though when you want to retaliate. What if attackers were using North Korean networks as a last leg of their attacks or you mm -hmm. attack someone who attacked you and turns out it's compromised cancer center? Absolutely. I want to be really clear for a second. I probably should have said this disclaimer ahead of time. I do not condone, re condone retaliation attacks. Okay. I really don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't condone, I don't condone those whatsoever. It's just one of those things that it was kind of funny to see that they got attacked and then they attacked back. And yeah, it was, it was more of a commentary, more of a commentary. That's all. Oh, don't try this at home, kids. Just don't yeah. do it. Just yeah. don't do it. Cause, and here's the thing. You don't know who that may be. You really don't trust me. You, and Jack and I will both look you in the eye. You don't know 
Okay, so don't. Just don't. <laughs> um, just let it play out. I mean, I mean like, ex great example of mine, back when I first discovered Linux, and uh, this is uh, 20 years ago, um, didn't know what, what I was doing. I got hacked by some kids over in Europe. It was fantastic. I just let the box sit just so I could watch them and see what they did. I ended up with one of the biggest MP3 libraries you have ever seen, Jack. Like they were uploading every artist you could think of. And I just let it grow. Just let it grow. I was like, yes. And then finally click and just turned it off. And I was like, thank you for the music, kids. Thank you for the music. So I was like this worldwide web MP3 source point for people everywhere. It was great. <laughs> able to hear me brooks i can hear you but you're frozen completely still i believe i have no idea where that's coming from where i'm frozen it's also black on my side but it's okay we'll keep as long oh, as you can we'll hear me going. we'll keep going yeah. look we've, we've got some honorable mentions and i love this first honorable mention because this is such a sad story it just keeps going jack and i don't know why we keep doing it in fact um I was working with uh, Dr. Harris the other day looking at some AWS stuff, and there was something we noticed uh, was that, or she reported on to me, was that in April they're going to change up the way S3 is working because, once again, somebody set an S3 bucket out there. It was publicly accessible. It was a, a place called Pegasus Airline. This happened in May, and they had 6.4 terabytes of data. Okay. If you have that much data in a bucket, somebody needs to be paying attention to it. But they had this data out there. It had navigation information. It had software. It had all this stuff in it. And it got compromised. And here's the thing on those, Jack. I mean, literally, to fix that problem, start a stopwatch. Like, mm -hmm. start a stopwatch. You can fix it so fast. So the fact that these things exist out there still today is just, it's, it's amazing. It's just amazing. What do you mean start a stopwatch? Like, if, if you just gave me a bucket and I had an access to it, right? You said, oh, no, it's open to the public. Literally, start your stopwatch. I can fix that within 10 seconds. Oh, Probably okay. with a login. Like, log in, get to the bucket, click one checkbox, tell it, yeah, I meant to do that, and then you're done. That's yeah, it. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's, so when you said start a stopwatch, I had to be clear that wasn't a new Amazon service because they have 2,000 of them. So <laughs> we used to, okay, everybody, when we would go out to customers because we were just such knee jerk goofballs, we all had our laptop lids covered with stickers because that's what you did. And we had a Marine create this one. So right here, there would be a Sasquatch. And everybody looking goes, what's that? We say, that's the new service, AWS Sasquatch. It's been deployed up into the uh, Oregon region. Few people have seen it. We're not quite sure what it is, but we think it's up there. <laughs> that's <Sasquatch>. good. <laughs> uh, that one, that's, uh, yeah, that's funny. That's good. Marine like that humor right there. It was fantastic. <laughs> well, I mean, for example, like I used to work with Intel a lot um, mm -hmm. for the computer stuff and, you know, threat intelligence, stuff like that. Yeah. But whenever whenever I got my TS and we're walking into the secure area to go and get the Intel up briefs and, you know, whatever classification uh, right. for, you know, indicators of compromise, it's like, okay, secret squirrel stuff. Blah, 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 blah. And it, th there's just this running joke of having the secret squirrel 
mentality <laughs> for the Intel community. And that's just the mascot that, that just the, the little squirrel. squirrel. Yep. The secret squirrels. Yep. Except now here's the dark reality of those skiffs. We had one person who who said they would go in there. They will watch the room for the, you've got to unlock the room. There's all sorts of opening procedures. You've got to sign in and nobody wants to be stuck in there. Cause if you leave, you've got to go through the locking procedure. So we had this one sweet soul. She stayed in there the whole time, but she ate in there. She uh, drank stuff in there. And then the, 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 the uh, and Jack will tell you this, you typically don't have a lot of maintenance staff going in there. They typically don't go in there. And Jack, the room got so just, well, you can imagine it. We had secret mouse. It was an actual mouse in the room. And because we had the fabric walls, what it could do is it could run up the corner and it had like a hole up in the tiling that it would run up into. So we didn't have Secret Squirrel. We had Secret Mouse and he was real, man. He was classified. We yeah. tried to put the sticker on him. He wouldn't have it. He would not have it. <laughs> that sounds like a really secure area to have a mouse that's running in and out. Yeah, we got a mouse, a little <laughs> white mouse. He'd run right. You just see, you just sit, be sitting there. All of a sudden you see like a, you're like, ah, man, it's the mouse. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Uh, the oh, not the computer mouse we want. Okay, yeah, well, that's the okay. one you got. That's the mouse you got because we couldn't keep the room clean. Could not right. do. It. Moving on. Uh, back back in June, <laughs> just blowing past that one. Uh, back in June, Google actually had the uh, biggest DDoS on record. Oh um, yeah, uh, yeah that that we know of. Um, yeah. So. Within one hour, over 5,000 different IP addresses from 130 different countries peaked at 46 million requests per second. Wow. And it was able to mitigate all of it, apparently. So, wow. <laughs> an attack was attempted. Yep. It, hey, the try was made. The try was made, you know, and to be honest with you, Jack, that to me is one of the biggest selling points of the cloud because there's stuff out there they've deployed to the edge because AWS, Azure, Google, they know they are giant sitting targets out there. Mm -hmm. And so they have these network adapters like you wouldn't believe like and like AWS, like with their shield and shield advanced, like you get a lot of security. Matter of fact, a lot of people don't know this about shield uh, advanced. I've heard a lot of customers when I was at AWS say, no, 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 that's an insurance policy. I was like, what do you mean it's an insurance policy? Because the idea with Shield is if you get a massive DDoS attack, they're going to absorb most of it. But here's the thing. If you've got scaling sitting there, Jack, and you've got like a really, really, really high limit on like how many EC2s you're going to spin up, you can spin all them suckers up because of a DDoS attack. However, if you can show AWS, look, I spun up. 120 virtual machines because of the DDoS attack, you don't get charged for it. So literally, I think it's like, I think that last time I heard it was like $3,000 a month for Shield Advanced. It is an insurance policy just for this kind of stuff. Because if you can spin up that many machines, man, yeah, I've, I've got to have some insurance. I got to yeah, have no, that's. I mean, yeah, it, the flexibility and capability. I mean, the biggest issue that I constantly have in security when it comes to cloud is just from developers. Usually it's, it's <laughs> unsecured APIs. It's, it's people po posting up their keys up into GitHub. 
Like, wait, wait, wait. Look, Jack, I got that library off of hackers.net. I'm sure that library is just fine. Okay. It's not even, it's not even that. It's legitimately writing legitimate code and then hard coding the API keys right into the code in a public repository. That's the problem. True story, Jack. True story. Literally, as I'm sitting here like this, okay? Sitting right over here was my junior developer. His name was Matt. Hey, Matt, if you're out there in the world, he would do stuff like that from time to time. And this is what he would do. He would do it and he would lock his machine, grab his cat card, stamp and yell, great justice and just walk away. And I was like, oh, what has he done? What has this kid done? And he would do that all the time because, you know, in so many of these environments, we don't have the tooling we need. Like in AWS, you have secrets manager where you can put stuff mm -hmm. and things like that. But so many times, and I think I hate to say it, it's just laziness. It's like, I just got to get this done. So I'm just going to throw the keys right in there. Forget it. Yeah, I don't know about one time. Sometimes it's laziness. Sometimes it's bad practice because they don't realize that they're on a public repository. They, yeah. you know, they, they, they think it's, oh, this is security through obscurity. Nobody can see this code. So I'm just going <laughs> to, you know, do this, right? Exactly. Exactly. Nobody's going to see it. This is going to be just on this network over here. Don't mm -hmm. worry about it. I mean, it's the same token going out there and grabbing a, some tool. Like we had a, uh, a kernel at one time. He put this file, I think it was an Excel spreadsheet over on Sipper, put a password thing on it, forgot his password, then found this thing over on the internet that could unlock it took it to the Cipernet on a thumb drive. So he's, you know, goes over there, plugs this thing in. And the next thing you know, the network shop's calling saying, hey, um, who's trying to hit servers in China? Could you tell us that real quick? We're seeing some odd eyes like, oh, no, laziness, just flat laziness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest issues I had when I first showed up to Afghanistan was the amount of flash games that were on Cipper. <laughs> They legitimately, so some of you guys might be a little too young for this, but Excel used to be even more insecure than it is, and yep. Yep. and you could run macros on it, which is, you know, that's cool and all, but if you ran macros, you could do VBS scripting with VBS and a couple other languages, actually. Yep. With that, you could actually create games, and you would just open up an Excel spreadsheet and there would be a full-on game that you could play in there. Some of them even like would save the high scores. Absolutely, uh, they would. Because uh, we had uh, uh, oh well, Fred, Fred. That was his special. We all had names. All had little code names. So this guy was Fred, Fred, and Fred, Fred was from another planet. When it came to skill, he embedded elf bowling into Excel, and we took it over on the high side, and it worked. And we were just like Fred, Fred. Beautiful man, beautiful. <laughs> that was you. So I, I, when next time I see you, we're gonna have a talk because of all the hours I had to go and clean up. I know the exact game you're talking about. <laughs> Just and the thing was, there were no speakers, which was like, oh, so like somebody said, well, you can take speakers yep. in there, but then you got to put the sticker on. It's like we're really gonna create high side speakers. We're gonna do this. It's like, yep, yeah, we're gonna do high. it. 
It's <laughs> side speakers. Hey, Yuri asked a question just a moment ago that I wanted to come back to, and then Tracy made a great point. But uh, Yuri B asked this: DDoS refund for overage resources. That's exactly right. That is exactly what that is. I mean, you've got to think about it. There's organizations out there, and I've been at some of them that can, you know, basically what it comes down to this. There are scaling events you can't plan for. And I'm, I'm not going to tell the story, Jack. I promised myself there is a horrible story. It will ruin Christmas for everyone, so I'm not telling the story. But this company had a scaling event they could not have anticipated. It was impossible to anticipate. And in those cases, when things suddenly scale, I mean, you, you I think they said when everything was done with the scaling event, they had spun up like 250 Apache servers in their environment to handle the load that occurred. So in that case, when stuff like that happens because of, because of your customers, hey, that's on you. But when you're getting DDoSed, I mean, that's not, you know, and so companies like AWS will offer via these special services like Shield Advanced, literally, you get hit, you let us know, you can prove it. And then I don't know if they give you credit or if they refund it back on your bill. But, it, you know, that's neither here nor there. You're going to end up spending the money anyway. So, yeah, that's yeah. the kind of thing. Yeah, to, to RX100's point, I asked for a refund for a legit issue I faced with all uh, proof. How is that refund process will happen? So, it correct me if I'm wrong, Brooks, but it sounds like it's a preemptive service for DDoS, right? You have to buy into the service ahead of time. And if the DDoS yep. happens, then you get yep. the refund. Yeah, right? then you got to do it. And I would not recommend anybody get it unless you're a big company because it is yes. 3000 I think the last time I checked, $3,000 a month, which... Yeah, and that, it wouldn't hey, surprise me if it went up. Yeah, hey, you know, if, if, if you get beat up enough, a lot of these big companies, it, yeah, sure, I'll be happy to pay that. Well, I mean, look at the full, so we'll, we'll talk a little, we'll, we'll bring this up a little high level guys. So that way you understand, not just from a tech, you know, tacticians standpoint, but from a business standpoint, think of this from a business standpoint, how many full-time employee hours you have to then put in to whenever you do get DDoSed to Ooh. remediate the situation, reconfigure things, find the vulnerability, clean things up, and also the loss in reputation and opportunity that you have with your customer base. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. from a business perspective, three grand a month to make sure that you don't lose customer face and your you know, employees don't get called away for, from Christmas exactly. to come and take care of this. It's, it's a sound peace of mind and it's an easy bit of business investment. Yeah. Uh, Tracy made the point that uh, a relative works at a company with a large presence in AWS. They regularly get DDoS attacks and just sit back and watch. Um, yeah. I will say this, there is some, I mean, just absolutely arcane magic happening on their networks. It's incredible what happens on an AWS network. It's just amazing what they managed. In fact, I would highly recommend for any of you that are into networking, go back and look at reInvent. Look at some of the videos about networking. It will blow your mind. Like their routers and stuff, they're not Cisco. It's their routers. They created them. They have their own software on it and everything. These are all custom something or others that are actually mm. making the magic happen. It's really incredible. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, Amazon at this point is has proven time and time again they are large enough to be their own manufacturers for their own devices yeah. rather than third party. 
So, oh yeah, hey, they've got their own silicon. You know that they, they, they've got these graviton mm -hmm. processors out there. And by the way, on the gravitons, one thing that's cool about them is is that I really think they're worried about how much heat they're producing. Like they're shh, shh, shh. no, 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 no. We're not producing a lot of heat. Everything's cool. Meanwhile, there's just like steam coming off the data centers. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, oh, man, I, I wish I could explain the experience to our audience about the, you know, walking through a data center with hot and cold aisles. And, you know, that that feeling you get of like hot flashes every time you walk past a certain area. Yes. Yes. We had an incident gosh, Jack, 20 years ago. Now, back me up on this, Jack. When you're leaving mm -hmm. a secure room, okay, you're at the door. Okay, here's the door. There's a mm -hmm. button right there, isn't it? Let me back this up. There's a button right there. You push the button, the magnetic lets go. You can open the door and leave the room, right? Depending on the door, yes. Okay. I, remember, I came from I came from a really poor part of the military, so our doors <laughs> were not that fancy until I got to D.C., and then, yes, I know the doors you're talking about. Hey, look. <laughs> I love the core, but yeah, y'all, yeah, take the door, the chair, and shove it under the door handle, and now this room is secure. <laughs> now, let's move on. We had a setup. I'm not making this up. This is absolutely incredible thinking back about it, but here was the setup. The door had a motion sensor, so as you got to it, the mag let loose. Just to the right of it was a button, a big red button, and it was to turn off power to the lab environment. And we had a young lady from DISA walk up, think, okay, that's the button you push, hit the button, the lab shuts down. It, no plastic cover, y'all. I'm not making this up. No plastic cover, no warning, no nothing. And what Jack just talked about happened. I think, Jack, when we finally got the HVAC systems back online, the room had gotten to like 120 degrees. Oh, oh, the servers kept talk going. About that. Yeah, yeah, we could not so, shut that thing down. So <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> I was, well, I was in, so part of our complex was not quite, a, like it was buried into a hill. So it had egress out at some areas, you know, but it was, it was designed to be buried like into a hill. Yeah. Of our two AC units, one died. Like the, uh, there was, I we don't know how, but one of the, uh, coolant hoses burst a leak water and whatever mixture antifreeze whatever was just gushing literally gushing out the thing and I still had to work I was on the instant response team so yeah. we had a 24-hour shift and I was on the overnight shift on the overnight shift just the amount of idle power in this computer center with the server like we of course we had multiple server rooms for on-prem stuff I think it got up to about 95 in the building because there's no AC and nowhere for that heat to go or get cooled down or pushed out or anything like that. Exactly. Yeah. Incredible. I, that's the thing about cloud. <laughs> no data centers. None. Yeah. None. Well, it was funny because the overnight crew had to deal with it. We talked to the yeah. watch officer. We talked to everybody else and they were like, you know, we'll, we'll get more clearance on this in the morning. We're like, we're off shift in the morning. Well, no, you got to deal with it. So we're working in a classified area, not, you know, the heat's just building in there. It's getting intolerable. We keep taking, you know, cigarette breaks every 20 minutes or so. Like we're basically going into a sauna, sitting there for 20 minutes. No work's getting done. Right. And walking right. back out for 10, 15 right. minutes. And then 
Like we're just going, we're revolving door going in and out and just making sure we have bare minimum coverage on the floor because it's ridiculous. The next shift comes in, day shift. The new day, you know, the watch officer, the top, everybody gets there. Mm-hmm. And of course, they shut that part down and they roll over to our warm site and they take over the instant response duties. And it's like, that was an option the entire time. Why <laughs> did we just spend the last five hours <laughs> roasting our tails off in this facility? Wow. In full uniform. Full yeah. uniform. <laughs> well, no, we definitely dropped the top. So we dropped our blouses and we were just in boots and use like we were working out, sweating yeah. with sweat patches. Like it was great. You were. Because you absolutely yeah. were. Whew. The contract. A couple of the contractors refused to go in at all. They're like, I can't medical issues. And they just sat outside the entire time. It was great. Contractors are the best. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> contractors no, are. I'm not oh, after eating a sandwich, looking you dead in the face. I ain't going in. <laughs> <clears throat> Do you know another another thing I wanted to talk about? This is one of my new favorites. I didn't even know this was happening uh, until uh, th- this year, but apparently, um, and maybe you can talk on this a little bit, Jack, because this one still has me scratching my head a little bit. There is a SQL injection attack that you can bury inside JSON that'll cause a web application firewall to like kind of go, um, I don't know what that is, and allow it through and allow the SQL injection to actually reach the flipping systems and actually work. So it sounds like with some of these WAF rules, we're dealing with situations now, and this has been going on through the year, hopefully here in the, in 2023, we'll get it resolved where these, they're basically embedding JSON. These WAF rules don't know how to read it. So they just let it on through. I mean that it sounds, so it sounds an older attack would be, I believe it's the teardrop attack where you malform packets intentionally. So that way, as they're scanned at the firewall level, then, you know, they're passed on, passed on, passed on. Now, of course we have stateful inspection. We combine everything mm-hmm. together and then we inspect it and then mm-hmm. send everything like, but it sounds like that. It sounds like that older attack. It's just within the JSON areas. And I mean, you can do that with that obfuscation, you know, there's no matter what you do, there's still ways that malware ends up on your desktop. It ends up in your server. It ends up wherever, right? There's mm-hmm. so many different ways to obfuscate the code, even if it's being inspected right. um, in, to the point now where a lot of firewall providers. Now, I don't think they'll do this on WAFs, though, which is a good point because it is a uh, cloud and it deals with a lot higher input. But a lot of the on-prem firewalls will do what's called sandbox detonation. So they'll take the files that are being sent if they are a file and they can identify, you know, a file tag in there and they will take a very small sandbox environment, detonate it, determine its behaviors. And then based on that, it will recommend whether or not it's malicious or not. Wow. Now, how? Yeah. what kind of, like when something like that happens, what's the delay we typically see for something like that? Because that sounds like that takes a second. So it depends on the size of the file. And there mm-hmm. are file limitations, like two gigs generally is a st- pretty standard industry file limitation size. Um, and what you can get instead is if they download it and they execute it, all of this will run in the background. So they've already downloaded the file, they've executed the file, and then you'll get a report after the fact. So okay. it's it's still an early alert though. You'll get it like the user will download and execute that file, and then five minutes later, you before the EDR sends you an alert, 
you'll get an alert like, hey, we think that file was malicious, so you can already contain the system like that. Like it's very. Oh, cool. okay. I got you. I got you. Okay. Yeah, I kind of like that idea. Really like warning system. Yeah, somebody's just been a knucklehead. Pretty much guarantee it. Now go get them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, get them. That will do it real time as well, depending on the file size. Yeah. Uh, they'll they'll even send you an email. You can configure it to send you an email if you download like a two gig file, and it's like this is being investigated by security. We'll send you a download link in a second. Right. Right. Gotcha. Okay. But it, it's it's all about tweaking your security to your footprint, what you need, because, you know, if you're a law firm, that makes sense. That level of security makes sense. Financial firm, something like that. If you are dealing with patient data, you can't really wait for this stuff to roll over if you need stuff right then. Right. Yeah, right. So it just depends on the speed and the efficiency and the security that's necessary. And you just kind of got to tweak it to what makes sense for you and your business. Jack, you know, that brings up a, a, a question. I've always wanted to ask you this question, okay? Because sure. you know about this stuff. We both have got the experience with it. And this I don't get, I don't understand. And I'm hoping in 2023, some magic happens. And that is this. When are people going to start treating networks that carry this type of data like a zipper net? It's like, that's another network, friend. Like, you better not be taking no thumb drive. You better not be doing this. You better not be coding over there. Like, your code needs to be scanned, checked, verified before you even think about taking it. And then Jack takes it over there. I don't take it. So that's two concepts, fundamental concepts, which is separation of duties combined with uh, network segmentation, both of which are fundamentally important. And here's the thing. Um not to get into a touchy subject, but a lot of people, you know, they're Bill Gates donates a lot of money, but he donates to stuff that's considered boring, which is water and uh, land mm -hmm. usage and stuff like that. So, you know, it's with that, the fundamentals of network segmentation and job, you know, job roles is a boring type of security that a lot of people don't like to do because it is complex, it is difficult, it is expensive mm -hmm. for the really in-depth complex stuff, but it is the best way to actually secure your network. And I'll tell you, we just talked about Microsoft and how you know Cortana and Bing got compromised, but because of their network segmentation, no user data was. I know it's network segmentation or job role accessibility or something in there where that individual wasn't able to jump from that project to anything else. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and I'm just so surprised by this, Jack. You know, even here, we're 2022. These concepts have been around forever. I don't get why more people don't do these things. This is simple. This is 101. You know, if I, again, going back to coding, if I write a piece of code, I take it to the parrot box back here. That's where it gets compiled. Somebody like Jack checks it to make sure it's actually not going to blow anything up. And then Jack takes it over to the high side network. <clears throat> I don't do that. So much of what we're seeing, we continue to see. And a lot of the stuff that I, you know, just has popped up over this year has just simply been because of lack of training, lack of caring laziness is why thank you bearded it you're exact just <laughs> laziness i mean come well, on it ma and here's what's worse about it to me jack this is the worst part people will be lazy and then after it's all over say why did i do that like they're just you know like they know it's coming they know what like somebody's gonna get them for being stupid it's like 
why didn't you just buckle up, do the hard job, and then that way you wouldn't be under the stress of, I just screwed up. Yeah, and I mean, I would say that part of it is laziness. Part of it can also be an understanding because some of these systems that are built in the way that they operate on a day-to-day basis, Mm -hmm. you have to walk back to the core and fix it at a core level, right? Right, right. And to do that could affect operations. Now, I've heard some reports and things like that. For example, Twitter's a good example from what's recently happened where a lot of the people that have left have said, if you are a developer for this particular website, you're working with admin privileges in prod. Yes. I've heard, I've heard some yes. of those reports. Cannot say if they are true or not. I've just seen some of that reporting come out from some of the people that have left. Whether or not it's true, we'll see. We'll find out probably. They did also have a data breach this year that was pretty big. Point being, though, is if it is a core way that the business operates and you have to walk it back and then redesign the flow of the river, right Mm -hmm. it can it can be difficult depending on the size of the company however we are like if you if you are post i'll say 2010 as a company you should be designing with security in mind just off the bat there's there's been plenty plenty of warning signs at this point there's no you know a lot a lot of these projects that i see nowadays with enterprises are reclamation projects if you will going Mm -hmm. back reclaiming their data, you know, appropriately segmenting it up and situ- you know, situationally uh, categorizing it so that way people only necessarily have access and stuff like that. Like it's this reclaim, grab our business centers and actually isolate them appropriately and defend them, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. I mean, it's, it's a lot of technical yeah, well, debt. Well, that was the thing. Like I, I was consulting, there was a company up in Burlington, Vermont. Yeah, send the guy from Alabama to Burlington in December. That's great. <laughs> That's great. That's so I went up there, and it was, it was exactly as cold as you think it would be. But I went up there, and I'm standing in this room with these developers, and I'm explaining to them about how to do this correctly in AWS. And I literally hear one of them say, I wish you would have been here six months ago. And I said, well, great. You're learning how to do things right. He's like, no, no, no. You don't understand. We've got to go back now and fix all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, it was, that was not a happy crew. They were yeah. not a happy crew, but if you do it right, the, well, see, and that's the problem. It comes down to training, man. I am so sorry. Training, 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 training. I don't know what they're teaching in colleges anymore, but it just seems like so many organizations that I can name a bunch of them with the first thing you do when you get to a company for six months is training. Yeah. I, I will say, uh, to comment a couple, so Yuri says a lot of small orgs don't have frame of reference for what is good practice until they get hit by ransomware on their prod boxes. I've seen that. That is very true. And That's IT, true. bearded IT dad said, it costs more money and time and it's cheaper to just put a Band-Aid on it after the fact. So <laughs> it's both are very true. I'll tell you one story I did was we got, a we got uh, when I was in the military, we... Um, it got pushed down that PII had to be off the share drives, which makes sense. It shouldn't be there in the first place, right? But we had a bunch of, you know, a bad habit of guys that didn't understand cybersecurity, putting a bunch of PII, which would be medical records, social security numbers of active duty military members onto a centralized, you know, unit share drive and whatever else. 
we had an audit one year. We go through the audit. I prepped for this audit for two months, searching for PII on the share drive and trying to retroactively clean it all up and everything else like that. Security guy walks in, takes him all of four minutes. He finds PII. It was it was like that. It was it was so quick, and I was like, and it, it was from a file folder that was over eight years old. Nobody that had anything to do with that file uh, no longer existed at the unit it was just hidden away mm. and i i got asked because i was the like info infosec chief at the time and i got asked what do we do about this how do we square this up and i said i'm going to recommend that we just delete the share drive and they went what <laughs> understand that there is so much bullcrap that is out there on this share drive right now that yep. we, we can't go through and manually clean 4,000 files. You exactly. know what I mean? Exactly. So I actually was able to get it signed off on. We gave them six weeks. <laughs> we, I made backups Beautiful. of everything in six weeks, yeah. but I gave them six weeks. I ran through and we deleted the entire share drive reset up the folder structures for everybody, let them fill back in and then checked and there was nothing. And it was great. It worked out really I, well. I actually consulted. It was a media company. It was somewhere in the, I can't remember where it was. I just remember, I remember going in and they were so proud of their data center. It was on the first floor behind reception in plexiglass. They were so excited about their data center, but were very quietly transitioning to AWS. And they started <laughs> building infrastructure and quite literally, I looked at what they had done and I said to them, and I was like, just, just tear everything down. Just tear it all down and start over. It's the same thing with that drive. There's so many little things here. We're never going to get it fixed. There are times y'all when it is better to just start over. And that's why like with uh, Tracy, Melissa and myself, that's why you hear us preach about using infrastructure as code so many times. So you can just build it back up quickly versus trying to you know manually create these sort of things it's just uh it's just too much yeah at that point just yeah. shut it down bye yeah. so uh, sometimes it's like the project is good but you guys kind of went off the rails here let's completely redeviate and f come back to zero you know what i mean sometimes that means completely wiping clean and starting over you know exactly exactly hey before we go there's one thing i wanted to talk about that i just yeah. I, for our audience our audience of INE folks, something mm -hmm. I've been catching with cloud that I want to point out, and it's this. I don't know where these companies are coming up with their numbers, but as you look at security related information to the cloud, you're going to start seeing stuff like 57% of organizations blah, 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 or 55% of organizations struggle with. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know, Jack, who these folks are talking to. But I will tell you this generally, companies don't divulge security related footprint data to third parties to create a report so they can sell their product. It just doesn't happen. I mean, Jack, would you do that? Nobody would do that. I would hang up immediately. Like, a, no. a general generalized, you know, hey, do you find it hard this? Do you find it hard that? Yeah, those surveys on occasion, but you don't tie your company's name to it. You just answer it in the anonymous. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing. They say the data has been anomalized. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. Like, you're not going to find out our footprint and our problems. You're just not going to do it. So mm -hmm. just a big 
big, big thing out there is this. When you start seeing that sort of data, please take it with just a grain of salt. There's actually one, Jack, this is one of my favorites. In AWS IAM policies, you can have conditional statements. And it basically says something like this. Let someone in if, and there's a conditional statement like they're from this IP address range or something along those lines. They came up with this goofy idea that if you don't have a conditional statement on the IAM policy, that that is now considered to be a public bucket. Not even close to reality, man. Not nope. even close. But that's what you do. So just as a going into the new year present for all the folks who watch and love INE, when you see this data, y'all, please take it with the great. Now, if it's AWS talking, okay, marketing probably <laughs> touched it. I'm done. All right. Yeah, just. marketing probably touched it. So just be aware of that when you're looking at security data. Please do. Please, please, please. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I will. Yeah. I will jump on and say definitely. But that's just all data. All data. All claims. Everything else like that. Look at the source. Go check the yeah. source. I used to sell vacuums uh, right out of high school, door to door for Kirby. And oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, way, way, way back. Um, I used to, but they had all these product reviews of this does this, this does this, this does this. When you actually looked at it, it was a product review company that they had set up to test the product reviews intentionally. <laughs> so it's, you know, it, it, it's just another part of marketing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, Gina, absolutely. That was a throwback on Kirby right there. That yeah, was I know, I know, I know, I know. And to the person who said not liking the comment about marketing, Hey, love marketing. Hey, I'm a firm, if it wasn't for marketing and sales, nothing exists because until a sale is made until uh, marketing gets the information out, it doesn't matter how cute we can be about this stuff. So yes, great. Thanks to marketing and sales. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But at AWS, Google, Azure, they're doing the same thing. The service is goofy, and they're going to try to make it look good. So careful, 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 everybody. I'm just dying at the fact you forgot that marketing sets this up for us to do every week. So, All right. So on that note, Brooks, I will talk to you later, if ever again. Bye, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I'll be signing my new book. Thank you, thank you so much. Happy holidays, my friend. And we'll be looking <laughs> forward to seeing you next year. All right. Okay, man. Best of luck, everybody, with your security. Have a great holiday. We'll see you on the other side. Sounds good. And that will wrap things up for today's stream, guys. Thank you so much for watching. And if you missed it live, look across uh, the replay, across our social channels and on INE's website. Um, also, feel free to chat, tag us in anything or tweet at us. We are absolutely there. My stuff's on the screen. We love to hear from you. We love the comments. Please can, keep them coming. I read everything, be it from support or from our socials. So I definitely want to hear. By the way, speaking of wanting to hear, we have INE monthly for $99 that ends December 31st. That's right. You can sign up for the monthly pass 
to uh, INE at a monthly rate. Uh, we heard you guys. We're trying to see what we can do with it, and we'll see how it goes. Be sure to like and subscribe on the social platforms that you're currently using so you can stay in the loop for details on our next stream and notifications for whenever we go live. We'll see you next time, and until then, I'll see you in the new year. Have a great week. Have a great happy holidays. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I will see you in 2023. Top Tier Showdown.